the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Hey, guys, it's Morgan. Welcome back to the show. I have been working really hard to put together this really informative episode for you guys on the recent leak at the Supreme Court and everything you should know about Roe v. Wade and pretty much uh, the issue of abortion in general. I've worked really hard to accumulate as many resources and clips as possible to give as much context um, as I can that'll help equip you guys. So um, that being said, before we get in the show, if you guys want to support, you can get a flag from me. Use code FREEDOM at zeggersfreedomflags.shop for free shipping on anything from my workshop. Uh, I think we might be doing leather goods too, so if you have any ideas, any requests on what kind of products you want to see, key tags, wallet, belt, um, purses for women, like a satchel, not a satchel, um, like a little clutch. Um, I'm considering all of them. I'm working with Kenny, who's a really great small business leathersmith. Um, so that's going to be at zeggersfreedomflags.shop. Use code FREEDOM. And then, you guys, it's almost June. So Young Americans Against Socialism, my nonprofit, we've interviewed 15 survivors from socialist and communist countries. And those interviews are about to be available in June. So to get ready for that, to see the behind the scenes, to see some more of the fun videos like of us just kind of working and stuff at set, in Dallas, Texas, you can go to us at Rumble and YouTube. So Young Americans Against Socialism on Rumble and YouTube. Um, and then that'll come out, I think, June 12th. Maybe, maybe not. But sometime in June. That being said, last thing, please subscribe to this podcast. Give us five stars. And please give a worded review. I would really appreciate it. Let's get into the show. Okay, so I let you guys know that I was going to do a whole episode on this, and I asked if you had any questions. You guys had a lot of questions, so I'm not exactly sure how long this episode is going to be, but I wanted to cover every topic uh, and as many of the questions as possible, so let's see how we do. Um, first of all, there were a lot of questions of, I'm just really confused, what the heck just happened? Um, basically, a draft of a written decision was leaked from the Supreme Court regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is the Supreme Court case that basically declared abortion a constitutional right um, protected by the federal government. And the leak is unprecedented. The Supreme Court, our judicial system, is not supposed to be impacted by politics, but a political leak took place, and it was because they knew that this was the decision coming down. It hadn't been announced yet. It was supposed to be announced in June when most of the decisions are announced, and instead they leaked it with the intention, you guys, and this is not confirmed, but there's an investigation, and pretty much we can assume that this leak took place to try and pressure one or even two of the Supreme Court justices to change their vote when their vote is supposed to only be based on the constitutionality of an issue at the federal level of our government. Um, and so that's the only lens they should be looking at it from. And instead, the person who put self and political drive over the importance of this precedent 
that's what's happening now. They are trying to put public pressure, public uh, perception of a political issue into the Supreme Court to try and sway a decision on a very, very divisive and important topic. So that's why it's so unprecedented. This leak has never happened before in American history. And I'll get into why that is also so significant and not shocking at all, though. Um, That being said, this was supposed to come out in June. It's not official yet, so no, abortion's not banned. No, even if it does go through with the votes that were in this written draft, which it looks like that's still the case uh, as of last week, abortion's not going to be banned. It's just going to be put down um, for a state-level decision decision to be made on a state-by-state basis. So, um... First question, let's get into it. So someone said, I just want your genuine thoughts on it. I feel like you see all sides on every issue, which is nice. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, First thing, leak, very, very bad, but not shocking. Um, This is how the left now behaves. They, They believe in disregarding the rules. They aren't following the rules, and they think that they have to do and behave in politics with this mentality of by any means necessary. So um, the end justifies the means. Their end goal justifies breaking rules, not going with the proper decorum, the proper precedent set. And uh, that goes with things from the Supreme Court and bringing politics into the Supreme Court. Um, But it also has the effect of, most importantly, them trying to strip any protections and security measures that are in place in our federal government, especially, that are literally there intended to prevent radical uprisings in a very hasty, hasty way. Our founders were very smart in making a slow-moving government, but of course the left hates that. Um, Next thing that I think about this is that, you know, abortion has nothing to do with me as a conservative woman or with any other person that is against abortion wanting to control a woman's body. And it has everything to do with wanting to protect the life of the individual human being that is in the womb who has a right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness just like we do the big game changer for many americans since this roe v wade ruling in 1973 is the fact that the science has changed, okay? The science of 1973 and the understanding that we had in 1973 of what abortion was, what fetal development was, and child development in the womb, that's completely different than what science and our understanding of fetal development is now in 2022. And Thank goodness for all of the organizations out there, especially live action, that are working to just raise awareness because it turns out that awareness of the science that we now know is one of the biggest ways, most effective ways to change the hearts and minds of Americans who truly do, after all this indoctrination from the media and from pop culture and from celebrities and from people on the left, they really did think it was just a clump of cells, but we're going to get into why it's not. So... I think the science has changed. Not only do I think that the science has changed and our understanding of science and the reality of abortion, this is the number one way to change people's hearts and minds. And in the long run, this battle of of ending abortion in America and stopping this, this brutal, violent act, it is a battle of the hearts and the minds of the American people. This is the court of public opinion if we're thinking long-term because even if Roe v. Wade gets struck down, you guys, it's still going to go to the states and we're still going to have so many people in blue states. I mean, they have some really aggressive abortion laws that we will also talk about in a little bit. But there are so many people that still 
are willing and eager to do this kind of act and they see it as just another form of birth control, unfortunately. Um, and so I want to reach them. A lot of people want to reach them and, and change their hearts. This isn't necessarily about uh, one court case or another, but this still is. If Roe v. Wade gets struck down, it still is a huge deal. So one question is, what is the significance of the leak? <laughs> um, you guys, like I was saying earlier, this is unprecedented. It's never happened before in American history. Basically, the Supreme Court is on like lockdown always, right? So you can't bring electronics in. You you are very much guarded. Everything is very protected. And everything is high, high security. Each justice has four clerks. And so basically you you can narrow down who probably did this quite quickly. And... From what I've heard from other people, this is where I'm like, I don't, I'm not really an expert in this stuff, but I looked into it in terms of like, what, it, what is the capability of holding someone like this accountable? What, what, it, what would it be? And it would actually be like making them lose their license. It would say, you, you can't practice law anymore. And right now we are apparently going to see an investigation. I think that was the most recent announcement. Chief Justice Roberts said they would be investigating to try and find the leak, and there's only a handful of people that it could have been. Because remember, you guys, there's the nine justices. Each justice has four clerks, and this is most likely one of the liberal dissenting judges, leftist dissenting judges, whichever they may be, or their four clerks in their individual offices. So we can probably find this person quite quickly. Now, when it comes to understanding and, and what should happen of them, I think this is one of the important things of it's so important to have such a separate and apolitical court that this person needs to be made an example of, okay? You can't get away with something like this. And we let the left get away with their crazy behavior every single time. We should not let that happen this time because protecting our courts is super important. And for those of you guys who don't know, just a little history lesson, America has a federalist system, right? And so there's checks and balances. Um, there's power that lies with the people. There's power that lies in the local government, the local sheriffs and law enforcement. There's power in the state governments. There's power in the federal governments. And then in those separate levels of government, there's also checks and balances. And so not only can the federal government check the power of states, if the states are maybe oppressing the people in their own state, or the state governments, like we see with Ron DeSantis, he checks the power of the federal government and protects the people in his state from federal tyranny. So it goes both ways. It goes, you know, everybody has their own ways of checking abuses of power and and balancing it out. But then when we look within just the federal government itself, the three branches, the legislative, judicial, and executive branches, have their own ways of checking each other as these three branches. The third branch, the judicial branch, is intended, you guys, to be apolitical, to not be swayed by public opinion. And To have this unprecedented act of a decision leaked with the intention of trying to intimidate the justices to change their mind because of how political and how passionate the American people have made this issue, that is really, really the concern here. And so it not only does this like sow distrust within the judges for all future issues, but it is bringing politics into the Supreme Court in a way that we've never seen before. And Glenn Beck said it best. He said, no country survives the politicalization of the court. No country has survived. No country has survived packing the court. And we'll get into that in a minute. So like I was saying, this goes into the next question, kind of. Somebody said, was this leak intended to intimidate SCOTUS judges? Um, Absolutely. It absolutely was. And this is another example of the left not caring about the normal historic processes of how 
business is done in our country, especially in the business of politics. Um, so they will always destroy the process when they are taking power. They do not believe, not only do they not believe in like general tradition and decorum because they're just ridiculous and riot and loot to try and get their way, but they look at our system of government, which was put into place by our founders to be slow intentionally to prevent rapid and dangerous change by passionate factions that maybe seize power very quickly, like an AOC-style grab, um, it's, it's intended to slow that kind of change down because most rapid change like that by a passionate faction is never going to result in very good things. And so we want slow change, if any. And the left doesn't say, wow, that's wise. Instead, they go, gosh darn it, this is getting in our way of achieving progress. And so we saw this, and maybe I'll do a podcast episode in a little bit about um, – FDR, the New Deal, the progressive era where the left tried, uh, I mean, they tried to pack the court. FDR tried to pack the court back then. And even the Democrats stopped him because they said, you are getting out of control. And we understand how important this process is of not packing the court, of protecting the, the um, apolitical status of the judicial branch. But I'll, I'll do a podcast episode on that. That sounds kind of fun. Um, but you guys, the left not only wants to pack the court or remove uh, precedent in terms of making sure that decisions aren't leaked too early and trying to bring politics into the court, all that stuff. They also want to do things like get rid of the filibuster. They want to do things like end the electoral college. They want to continually remove these important security measures that are in place specifically to stop them from being able to gain too much power. So, I mean, it makes sense that they're going after these things. That's why I'm not shocked at all. We've, we see this behavior every single year. It gets worse and worse. And this was definitely a natural progression for them. And, you know, whenever they achieve progress, the nation achieves regress. Okay, so now, this irks me so much, but at the same time, you guys, we need to understand who we are dealing with here. We can't be like, ah, oh, I'm horrified, I'm shocked, I can't believe Jen Psaki would say something like this. Instead, we need to watch it and understand who we're dealing with. Let's see what she had to say about uh, any concern over the leak, over the um, unprecedented step to politicize our judicial system, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. Let's hear it. Does the president think the leaker should be punished? Again, that's up for the Department of Justice and others to determine. Uh, what our focus is on is not getting our uh, distracted or our eye off the ball of what is most important to people across the country here, which is not the leak and the story of the leak. It is the fact that women's health care is at risk for millions of people across this country. <laughs> so she could give a crap about the leak. She cares about women being able to have choice to... Killed the babies inside of their womb. Come on, people, priorities. <laughs> okay, um, next thing. So you guys, like I said, they are actively trying to bring politics into areas where politics is not supposed to be. They are willing to get rid of important protections. Let's hear what they had to say about um, the Supreme Court, you know, because they just care so much. Pack the court! Pack the court! I wish, I know that I look at things from a specific lens, and it's as the history nerd that I am, as the founder and CEO of Young Americans Against Socialism, 
we interview survivors of communism and it's so important to hear their stories and to hear the timelines of the downfalls of their country because like Glenn Beck said, like I, I referenced earlier, no country survives the packing of the court. No country survives it because when you pack the court, what's happening is whoever's in power, so say Joe Biden is in power right now, the left is in charge of the legislative branch. They can say, you know, we don't like how the court doesn't really agree with us with its decisions. We're going to add right now to the nine justices, we're going to add four. That's what the current legislation proposed in America today is by the left. We're going to add four judges. And all of them are going to be appointed by, of course, Joe Biden. (laughs) So if the president can put four judges on a Supreme Court with nine judges, that puts the majority heavily into the favor of the left because all four of those judges will be um, doing the bidding of the the president at the time. Then it just kind of sets a precedent of, okay, well, whoever comes in next, they don't really like the proportions either. So they're going to add some. And that's how it's, it's the term packing the court into your favor, right? So in Venezuela, I kid you not, they have been packing the court ever since the Democratic Socialists were democratically elected into office. Um handful of decades ago. And we've interviewed many survivors from Venezuela who escaped. I mean, some of them were labeled like domestic terrorists for daring to speak out about the socialist regime. And now they're in America and and seeking refuge. And I think that's really wonderful because they are, are great people. But when they talk about this, they explain how, yeah, they were promised progress. They were promised that these socialists would uplift the working class. They would end poverty. They would fight against the evil rich people. They would um, raise taxes on the evil rich people. They would put the industries, especially the oil industry in Venezuela, into the name of the people. But you guys, that is economic socialism. And when you seize the means of production and actually implement economic socialism in the name of the people, you're actually just giving control of that private industry um, that was in the private sector and controlled by private individuals, private businesses, private employees. You're putting that into the hands of the government to be run by the socialists that you just put in power. And that gets messy. And so, of course, the economy failed there. But what happens is more than just the economic process of socialism. You also have the other aspects of what happens when the left rises to power. And they do things like strip away the protections and the structure of the current uh, system of government. And so in Venezuela, they started changing the Constitution, similar to how the left wants to change the Constitution in America today. Not just with packing the court, but also doing things like getting rid of a filibuster or removing protections that are supposed to prevent rapid change. So the same process took place in Venezuela. They ended up packing the court, and now they have over 30 Supreme Court judges on their highest court because they ended up packing the court. And now whenever they don't get their way, they just say, hey, we'll add more judges that that definitely will align with our views and will vote in favor of our political demands. Um, So that is packing the court. And that is why I have chills that run down my spine when I hear mindless leftists that care about nothing other than being able to have casual sex and face no repercussions saying that they're willing to put our country on the line and pack the court for something as selfish as this. Sorry for yelling. Um, Next was, let's see, was this to help Dems in midterms? Here's the thing. A lot of people online right now, they're so worried about everything that's happening with the rise of the radical left, with uh, this globalist agenda, with all of this stuff with COVID, um, that now when anything happens that is really bad 
by the left, they say something like, oh, we are being distracted right now from the main concern. The left is trying to distract us. And so that's what we're hearing again with this, is that the left only released this to do X, Y, Z. One of those things is to help them in the midterms. Of course this helps them in the midterms. Of course it does. But this was done more so because, yes, as bad as it is for the left with inflation, with Ukraine, with Afghanistan, with Biden in general, with everything that he's failing at, as bad as that is, two things, multiple things can be true and happening at the same time. And that's what's happening right now. Yes, the left is definitely going to benefit from this in the midterms, just like they did from the Black Lives Matter riots and protests and all the social justice warriorship that we saw in 2020. But this specifically, you guys, they were going to riot no matter what, they were going to find something. This specifically was already taken up by the Supreme Court and it was bound to be released this June. Next month, no matter what, it was bound to be released by June anyways. So the, the, the case would have come out. What happened here is this timing was specifically meant to leak and intimidate a justice to try and change their mind. And that's because, yes, the left is radical in many, many things, and we have a lot of concerns that we need to focus on, but they are also so satanically focused on being able to abort their children and have women's choice over their bodies so they can have casual sex and not have the repercussions faced by them, that they also are willing to do something as crazy as this. And they are also willing to riot and freak out about this. Yes, it helps them in the midterms to have this issue to now rally around, considering they had nothing else to rally around before, but they were going to find some way or another to drill up a problem. This just happens to be more so for the intimidation and the changing of a vote by a justice. Does that make sense? Next question is similar to this. Everybody, not everybody, many, many people are now saying, you understand this is a diversion tactic like most stuff, right? Was this to distract from food shortages, 2,000 mules, the Pfizer release, etc.? I got a lot of questions about that and we're seeing that online. My answer is again, no. Multiple things can be true at the same time. Multiple things and problems, especially when we're dealing with a radical leftist faction as dangerous and as radical as this, they, they can all be happening at the same time, and that is what we're dealing with now. This is not like Afghanistan, where the major crises happened, all because of the Biden administration. And they tried to distract us with distraction propaganda. I was very clear about that. That was distraction propaganda to, during that crisis, to announce that there would be a vaccine mandate on the private economy companies. Because that affected 100 million employees that were now going to have to worry about how they were going to put food on the table. To announce that was a strategic political decision to distract us from a very, very serious failure from the Biden administration. And I understand right now, in the same week as this is all happening with the release of 2,000 Mules, which if you guys go to 2,000mules.com, I think it comes out this weekend, but Dinesh D'Souza's video, uh, movie about the 2,000 Mules that were used to help rig the 2020 election, that is coming out. And what also happened is 80,000 pieces of documents from Pfizer were released this week. Yes, it is crazy timing. 
80,000 documents, and I'm going to do an episode next week explaining everything that's in that document or that release of documents that I can find so far. We're going to go through it, I promise. But just because this stuff happened in the same week, I, I, we cannot say that it happened because of that. Because I promise you they are just as radical about abortion as they are with all the other things. And this just happened to happen at the same time. If, if, if the Pfizer release didn't happen, if 2,000 Mules wasn't coming out, they still would have had a law clerk as crazy, or whoever leaked it, as crazy and politically driven as they were in this situation to break such important precedent. You tracking? I think we've covered all the stuff about the importance of the leak and how unprecedented that was. Let's talk more about Roe v. Wade and abortion in general to give you guys a better understanding of why things are getting so intense around this this political debate in the country. Um, So basically, Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. And like I said earlier, the science of 1973 and our understanding of abortion and, and child development in the womb is just so different than it is now in 2022. And that's a really great thing. Um, I want to first start by, by playing a clip. I'll play you a clip. How about that? Of uh, President Joe Biden many decades ago talking initially about abortion at that time. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions, and they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. I think the vast majority of the American people think that can be done. Um, but unfortunately, we're put in a position you either eliminate abortions under all circumstances or it's, quote, abortion on demand. The fact of the matter is I've never known of a woman having an abortion and say, by the way, I feel like having an abortion. It's always a tragic decision made, always a difficult decision. Yeah, you guys. So that was Joe Biden many decades ago saying, quote, I do not view abortion as a choice and a right and saying that, you know, women view it as a very tragic decision to make. Um, but flash forward to now where women will get on stage and and cheer about their abortions. I mean, hashtag shout my abortion was trending on social media recently. And I even saw a woman get on stage and remember they all took their abortion pills and began their abortion process on stage, um, as a political act. And if you've seen TikTok, if you've seen social media, then you are very aware of how proud people are these days to get abortions and how they'll do it multiple times. They view it as just another form of birth control. And this is everything but safe, legal, and rare, the way that they used to advocate for it. So back um, when this was all happening, initially, many decades ago, that was the, the phrase, safe, legal, and rare, was the argument made by feminists that this should at least be accessible to women in the you know last case scenario, if a woman is absolutely in need of something like this, then, then she should have access to safe, legal, and rare options in abortion. Um, that being said, the science has not only changed a lot, but now, shockingly, with this change of science, the left hasn't changed their mind. They've actually gotten satanic with it and creepily scarily um obsessed with this idea that we need to empower women to be able to have casual sex um when they are not ready to actually have 
a child, when sex is the creation of a child, the act that can create a child, we should empower women to be able to do that, to be able to participate in hookup culture. Both men and women should be able to now. And we should equip and empower women with the ability to get an abortion so that they don't have to deal with the consequences. Um, that makes me really, really sad, but it's also quite disturbing to me that they can continue to deny the science in such a way when they always claim to be the side of science. So um, moving back into those questions, one of the questions I got was how to best explain that there's no merit in Roe v. Wade in the first place. Um, apparently it was based on a fake case. So yeah, I don't want to go too much into the fakeness of Roe v. Wade, but yes, um, the woman... Jane Rowe, who initially was a part of this case, um, she got pregnant, she wanted an abortion from Texas, um, it was banned, and so she ended up having the baby and putting it up for adoption, but the left had lied and, and, and forced her into lying, basically, that she had been, like, gang-raped, and she later came out uh, in her life and said, I, I actually wasn't raped um, in this situation, it was a lie, the, the case was based around a lie. So getting into the case, though... <laughs> You guys, I'm not a lawyer. I I can't even fake the like professional lawyer talk or anything, and I don't want to get this wrong because I want you guys to have a full, solid understanding. So I found some pieces that we can read from. Um, I found a piece by the New York Times, Edward Whalen. It says, quote, In 1973, the court in Roe v. Wade imposed unrestricted abortion for any reason all the way up to viability which was then roughly the end of the second trimester. And under a malleable, quote, health exception in a companion case, even right up to birth. Never mind that the text of the Constitution makes no mention of any right to an abortion. Never mind that abortion was a crime in every state at the time that the 14th Amendment, the imagined source of the abortion right, was adopted in 1868. In overruling Roe and Casey, the draft majority would deprive abortion of the special constitutional status that the court wrongly conferred to it. Our elected representatives in the states and in Congress would rightly regain their authority to make abortion policy. So that's right, you guys. Basically, with the determination in Roe v. Wade back in 1973, the courts, or the Supreme Court, decided to say that there is a federal right to abortion under the 14th Amendment due process clause connected to a person's right to privacy, to make decisions for their private life. Um, but we're going to get into why that was a very flawed decision. Another question I got was, can you explain the relation between a state law and a federal law? Yeah, that's that's a good question before we get into this. Um, so the federal government really only has jurisdiction, especially the federal courts, Supreme Court. It only has jurisdiction over what the Constitution gives it power over. So the, the federal government is limited in what it can control in our individual lives. The Tenth Amendment in the Bill of Rights says that the states have the power over everything else. So whatever is not specifically listed in the Constitution, it's not something the federal government can get their grimy hands in. And what, what, what I just read earlier was basically saying that there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. This is not something that the federal government should even be a part of, but sneakily, the, the case of Roe v. Wade added in language and made it seem like the 14th Amendment could technically cover the private decision of getting an abortion. So that's how they made that stretch. But that's also just a side note. It's why people get frustrated over things like the Department of Education, because uh, going to our Constitution, education is not something listed as under the jurisdiction of the federal government. And then in the uh, 
early in in the mid 1900s is when a lot of people especially socialist leftist more very liberal people they wanted to copy the socialist style of federalized education systems national education instead of it being under only the jurisdiction of the states and so that's how we created the federal department of education and it's the biggest waste of money the biggest indoctrination camp you can ever imagine um and that could be a whole podcast episode. I'll stop before. <laughs> I'll stop while I'm ahead there. Um, next question. What was the original justification for Roe being constitutional? Uh, right to privacy and Roe v. Wade. What is the connection between the two? So I found an article by Daily Wire, um, Hank Berrien. Uh, it had some great pieces in it that kind of explained things for us. It, quote, now that the case Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization has come before the Supreme Court, it may be worthwhile to examine Roe with a brief examination of why many famous jurists believe it was a horrible legal decision. It goes on to say something down the line of Roe, in which Justice Harry A. Blackman, writing the opinion for the majority, ruled that the Due Process Clause in the 14th Amendment included an implicit right to privacy. Um, the article then says something, kind of cites a few different takes on it, but then I found one to be quite interesting. Watergate Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox said, quote, the justices read into the generalities of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment a new fundamental right that's not remotely suggested by the words. So if you're confused a little bit about maybe like what the heck is she even talking about with 14th Amendment, with the due process clause, there I went to constitution.finelaw.com just to find some basic info on this for you guys. And it said, which constitutional rights are most important is generally a matter of opinion, but one was considered so important it was included twice due process. The 14th Amendment states that government cannot deprive, quote, any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, end quote. This echoes the Fifth Amendment, which includes the same language along with protections against self-incrimination, double jeopardy, and others related to criminal proceedings. So I thought it was interesting, but you guys, this isn't just uh, anti-abortion people that are claiming that this is a ridiculous way to go about deciding a case on abortion, to, to claim that there's a right to privacy to abortion um, under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment in the, in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. Even, you guys, Ruth Bader Ginsburg apparently criticized Roe for, quote, heavy-handed judicial intervention that prolonged divisiveness because the justification that was used was so ridiculous so very interesting um another question this you guys this is of course you know in lockstep with the crazy behavior that they're always using these days um the left is now trying to bring in random arguments to try and fearmonger and scare people and of course make us look like evil racist people as usual i mean if you ask anybody on the left these days i'm like a white supremacist nazi um i mean i just got called internal internally misogynistic uh, because I believe there's a difference between a man and a woman and apparently my conservative views as a conservative woman are problematic and lead me to be internally misogynistic. Misogynistic means to hate women, by the way, <laughs> because these people make a lot of sense, right? Um, either way, one of the questions is, what will happen to the cases that used Roe v. Wade as a precedent? What happens if those are overturned? What happens to all of the other situations where right to privacy is discussed? You guys, I kid you not, this, I, I should have expected this. I really didn't see this one coming, but I should have. 
Listen to how they're talking now about this. The constitutional right to privacy, which is at the centre of the Roe versus Wade judgment. Do you fear if this goes ahead, it will affect other intimate and private aspects of life? In other words, does it open the, the gate to uh, judgments about uh, gay marriage or other areas? Absolutely, Andrew, you're correct. The floodgates will be open. It's a slippery slope. Contraception between marry, a married couple or couples that are not married is at risk. And that had been affirmed many years ago in a famous Supreme Court decision called Griswold. Uh, marriage equality, the marriage of same-sex couples, which was affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court some years ago recently, that's at risk and at stake. Interracial marriage, uh, which is, of course, also grounded what? in privacy. Loving what? versus Virginia. That could You're be joking. at risk. I'm not joking. This is, these are what, these are the issues that are at stake. So I always say we're going to have to vote as though our lives depend on it because it does. Uh, you guys, <laughs> that is so disingenuous. To now fearmonger and scare people into thinking that things like interracial marriage are going to be banned, I guess, in the United States of America because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, they are trying to fearmonger. They're trying to drum up the race divisions. They're trying to, again, be able to use the cultural Marxist attacks against us by calling us racist, calling us white supremacists, all that stuff. Okay, don't fall for it. Now, that was just like a random, I don't even know the people in that. It's just one of the many, many, many news hits that I could find on the internet. But you guys, Joe Biden has also been saying this, that interracial marriage is up next. And, and many other prominent people are saying this, including Congress people. It's a lie. It's disingenuous. Don't fall for it. And I can even go a step further and say, not only do I just know that they're being ridiculous because I monitor these people like white on rice all the time but in alito's writing the written decision that got leaked it specifically had a, an entire section about this and he said quote nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion so um, going to the new york post article that i mentioned earlier by edward whelan it says quote the majority makes clear in this leaked document that Roe and Casey are unlike various precedents, quote, involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception, and marriage, end quote. And that abortion destroys a, quote, unborn human being. Progressives have been eager to claim that overturning Roe and Casey would put those other precedents in jeopardy. The majority forcefully refutes that claim. Alito's own words, in the name of the majority, Make sure that people understand this is specifically different because it's not about a right to privacy the way the other issues are. It is truly the ending of another human being's life, an unborn child's life. That person is dying because of this act, and that makes it very different than something about who can get married or, or what you can do in your bedroom or any of that other stuff. He even specifically says it, so don't let them fool you. This is also a good lesson for why it's important to read the original documents, you guys. If you haven't read the leaked document yet, I encourage you to do so so that you can't get lied to. That's one of the biggest problems. We re we're so dependent on other people explaining things to us, other people telling us what to think and how to think things, that we don't think to go to the first 
hand source, whether it's the, the president's speech, the State of the Union, or if it's the press conference where we're actually being able to question what Jen Psaki thinks and what the Biden administration is saying to us. We need to watch the firsthand stuff. We need to be reading the original documents, and that will help us fight back against these lunatics. Um, next question. The pro-life argument hinges on the notion that the fetus is alive. What is your argument for that? How is it not murder? Let's get into it. Okay, so I don't know if I, if you guys don't know this yet, I am obsessed with reading about childhood development. And I got on this kick, not only because I think it's really important for young women to um, be prepared for that phase of life, you know, don't rush it, don't try and, you know, force it or anything like that. But I, I think we've forgotten how important it is to pass the, these skills down from generation to generation. And then the last couple generations in America, we've just completely abandoned all of this stuff, whether it's like removing home ec, not teaching these basic life skills, the skills of our ancestors, um, whether that's the homemaking skills or the childbearing skills and, and the information and knowledge. I'm just really passionate about it. And as the left decided to close down schools and mask our children when the adults, the politicians didn't even have to be masked, and when we continued to hear them tell us, oh, don't worry, kids are resilient, even though I don't have kids, I, I'm, I feel this like mama bear instinct of like, but maybe they aren't resilient, you know, but... <laughs> Maybe they won't just bounce back after years of this. And so that's when I really started to read more and more about it, about you know brain development and, and emotional development and all of the physical and mental abilities that kids have in each year of life. And it truly is fascinating to me. And so, of course, that led to the natural progression of me also caring about um, the different stages of fetal development. So um, to give you guys an understanding of this, just so that we can get on to, like, why does it matter in the first place? This isn't just a clump of cells like the left likes to tell us. Um, it's going to be really, really important, you guys. So I am under the strong, strong belief that when you have an abortion, you're ending a life. You're ending the life of that individual child. And I am very, very passionate about that. Um, let's talk about this, though, so that we understand why it's not just a clump of cells. And it's it's quite intense, if you ask me. Um, first trimester of pregnancy is about 1 to 12 weeks. The numbers are a little different based on source. But second trimester is 13 to 28 weeks. Third trimester is 29 to 40 weeks. Um, keep in mind, most leftists these days are supportive of abortions in the third trimester up until the moment of birth. It's disgusting. Um, first trimester. The first trimester is the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, and it is a crucial time for fetal development. By the end of the first 12 weeks, all bodies, major organs, and structures have begun to develop. The heart is beating regularly. Fingers and toes have formed. The fetus is around three inches long and weighs nearly one ounce. The nerves and muscles work together, and the fetus can make a fist. The eyelids have formed and will remain closed until about week 28 to protect the eyes. The second trimester, weeks 14 to 27. The fetus goes through many changes during this time, growing to be around one foot long and weighing 1.5 pounds. By the end of the second trimester, the following has happened. The first bowel movement has developed in the intestines. The fetus can see, hear, make a sucking motion, and scratch itself. Skin, hair, and nails have formed. The lungs have formed, but do not yet work. The fetus is sleeping and waking regularly. Taste buds have formed. Bone marrow is making blood cells. Lanugo, which is fine hair, covers the body. 
it becomes possible to feel the baby's movements as this trimester progresses. The third trimester lasts from week 29 until delivery, which is usually around week 40, but can be up to 42 weeks. Most organs and body systems have formed by now, and they will continue to grow and mature. During this trimester, the bones are hardening. Movements become more noticeable. The eyes are open and can sense light. Lung formation becomes complete. And with that being said, let's look at some fun facts from live action about other developments with a baby around these times. Live action on their website says, Recently, innovative scientists discovered that babies can respond to music at a mere 16 weeks gestation, far earlier than previous believed, and just three weeks after the first trimester ends. Preborn babies play in the womb. At eight weeks, a baby can move his jaw and point his toes. Preborn babies yawn and suck their thumbs. At nine weeks, a preborn baby can suck his or her thumb. According to the Endowment for Human Development, most babies prefer to suck their right thumb. That's cute. At this age, plenty is going on. A baby's vocal cords are forming, her bones are hardening, and her toenails and fingernails are emerging. At 9 to 10 weeks, preborn babies develop fingerprints, which remain the same throughout the baby's life. His or her permanent identification is already developing. Her tooth buds, another form of identification, can be seen at just 10 weeks. A preborn baby hides from abortion instruments. The video of the silent scream, as well as other ultrasounds, captures the DNC abortion of a baby in her first trimester. Aspiration, suction, DNC abortions, is what they're called, are the most prevalent type of surgical abortion in the U.S. They are commonly performed up to 13 weeks of pregnancy. Approximately 700,000 preborn children are killed using this type of suction abortion every year. After seeing the abortion and the reaction of the baby on the ultrasound, the abortionist in the silent scream revealed he never performed an abortion again. Quote, The abortionist was quite skilled, having performed more than 10,000 abortions. We discover that the resulting ultrasound of his abortion so appalled him that he never again performed another abortion. The clip begins with an ultrasound of the fetus, a girl, who is about to be aborted. The girl is moving in the womb, displays a heartbeat of 140 per minute, and is at times sucking her thumb. As the abortion's suction tip begins to invade the womb, the child rears and moves violently in an attempt to avoid the instrument. Her mouth is visibly open in a, quote, silent scream. The child's heart rate speeds up dramatically to 200 beats per minute as she senses aggression. She moves violently away in a pathetic attempt to escape the instrument. The abortionist suction tip begins to rip the baby's limbs from the body, ultimately leaving only her head in the uterus, too large to be pulled from the uterus in one piece. The abortionist attempts to crush her head with his forceps, allowing it to be removed. Researchers note that a pre-born baby may be able to feel pain as early as five weeks. After examining scientific resources and hearing medical testimony, a task force found that, quote, the necessary pieces for pain detection in the spinal cord exist at very early developmental stages. So it's fascinating. Um, you guys will get into a little bit more about how to actually 
change people's hearts and minds about this. Um, but this is again from Live Action's website, and I actually took my mom. My mom's very pro-life. Um, I took her as my plus one, my date to the Live Action Gala in California last summer, and I'm really thankful that they would include me. It was so empowering. On their website, they say that when we surveyed people who had seen our videos and read our articles, 37% said that they changed their position on abortion because of the content that we showed them. And I think that is just spectacular. That is true change. So kudos to them. Next question, what is our best argument against the my body, my choice argument? Um, First of all, let's just be very clear here. This has nothing to do with me or with any conservative or any anti-abortion person wanting to control a woman and tell her what to do with her body. This has nothing to do with that and everything to do with protecting an individual life that, yes, is inside of that woman. And I think it's really sad that we hear people these days consider babies to be um, a health problem a parasite, something that's just a clump of cells or something that's just dependent on the woman and her body. And so it's technically not a a human being yet. Um, There's some really strange arguments that they make these days. But one of the most disturbing things in general these days is the um, hatred of womanhood and motherhood. Because it is our natural role, our most primal role as female human beings And to reject our most primal purpose, I think, is having a damaging, damaging effect on our society and on an individual level, on our mental health and on our physical health. Because society, the world, is telling us to embrace some very dangerous things that are anti-science, anti-biology, and anti-human race. Um, When in reality, if we embraced our natural roles, if we embraced motherhood, and our womanhood, and our natural femininity, our natural uniqueness compared to men, I think we would all be much happier as women. Um, so it, it's simply just not your body. When we're talking about this my body, my choice thing, you have your body, and our biological role is to to bear children. And that means bodies will grow inside of us. Yes, the, the body of another human being will grow inside of us when we have sex, and an egg is fertilized, and a human being is created. Um, So this just simply is not about your body. You are harming a unique individual. You're ending their heartbeat. You're ending their life. And that's just not acceptable in any moral society, or at least it shouldn't be. So just kind of to hammer that one home, you guys, I, I think instead now we're being taught to see pregnancy and motherhood and taking on those next phases of life as a nuisance, um, a health problem even you hear these days, um, when in reality it's, it's ignoring some of those basic aspects that we have a life inside of us and we are being told it's empowering to allow that life inside of us to be ripped apart limb by limb. Um, inside of our bodies. And I think that's one of the most violent things we could do to our bodies uh, imaginable, right? Now, speaking of controlling a woman's body and, and taking away her choice, the choice in childbearing, in motherhood, in the creation of life is to have sex. And we should all be able to, I know it's kind of awkward, oh my God, Morgan said the S word. When you have sex, you need to understand that there is no form of birth control out there that is 100% effective. And I'll give it to you straight. It's very, very wrong for society 
to have normalized having casual sex, especially at the levels that they do now. They sexualized teens. They sexualized young 20-somethings that aren't married. The music, the pop culture, the, the movies, mainstream media, the politicians, everybody. They encourage us to partake in this without bringing in the fact that, oh, yeah, I mean, this act, yeah, it feels good for a couple minutes. But what are you exchanging for that few minutes of feeling good? I mean, if you think about it, how selfish is it for us to, for just a couple minutes of, of pleasure and fun, to exchange the possibility of creating a human and then killing them because we weren't actually ready to bring them into this world. We weren't prepared. We maybe had sex with someone that is going to be a horrible mother or a horrible father just because we had personal uh, pleasure on our mind and, and personal temptation for, for selfish reasons. I think it is so incredibly selfish when you consider that. And when you look at the statistics of what bringing a human into this world, into a broken family, or into a situation where they don't have a good mother or father or a relationship with both parents, or even just an unmarried couple having a baby, the statistics are just incredibly against this. And if you have seen the family court system, if you have heard of child custody, if you have heard of the struggle that people face, not after the kid, not just after the kid is like 18, oh my gosh, you're free, you've done 18 years, you've paid your custody, whatever. But for the decades after that, there is going to be animosity in your life with someone that you, yes, wanted to have sex with for a very short period of time, but now you have to deal with them as the parent of your child. And then you have to deal with every other aspect that comes with it. And so please just consider that what you're exchanging for just a few moments of fun. Um, it's incredibly, incredibly selfish if you ask me. So that is the choice that we make. A lot of us choose to have sex with people that we wouldn't be very thrilled to make the father or the mother of our child. And then we are stuck with the consequences of that because we are doing an act that's initial and only intention is to create a human life. And then what do you know? When it actually creates a human life, we're like, crap, can I... Um, erase this by sucking the child out of my womb is that still possible nope nope you made your choice you did the process that creates a human life knowing that there's no way for to have a 100 percent effectiveness to prevent pregnancy that was your choice now it's out of your hands because you've done the deed and so you have to live with those consequences and in this society we don't live with those consequences anymore the, the consequences of any of our actions we're told to just focus on self-love and and the rest of the people in our lives can deal with it but if we lived more intentionally perhaps we would we would all be better for it um so getting into that idea of choice and force the left is the side that just absolutely loves force right i mean have you looked at the vaccine mandates have you considered anything that they want to force onto us these days and what's even more ridiculous to me is that when we talk about actually controlling a woman's body by force, you know, being violent with a woman's body, it's not making a woman continue to bear the child that she willingly got pregnant with by having sex. We are not forcing anything onto her or controlling anything about her body. She knowingly understood that she partaked in a process that creates a child, and, and now her, her body has to carry that child. That's not the government forcing her to do anything. That's not society putting her th through something crazy. What you do see with the control of a woman's body is in crazy communist dictatorial regimes like communist China, where they had a one-child policy because their economic policies were so damaging to the country 
they ended up with famine, they ended up with food shortages, and they weren't able to feed everybody, so they were overpopulated. And then they ended up requiring, via the government, a one-child policy that made it so that you had to abort your child and get sterilized if you had more than one kid. So, yes, women tried to hide their children, but for the most part, obviously you can't hide being pregnant. For the most, most women can't. Um, you can't hide being pregnant once you get to a certain stage. And so the communist Chinese would come in, grab the pregnant woman, put her on a table, and force an abortion onto her, and then force sterilization onto her, making her sterile. That is controlling a woman's body. And you see it under communist regimes after they have starved the population. Now what's even more sickening, you guys, is that we now have a baby formula shortage. First of all, don't get me started on baby formula. It's like, I'm not even going to, maybe I'll talk about it another time. But we have a a formula shortage right now. And what do you think the left is saying? Well, if you just type in formula shortage on Twitter right now, you'll see quite a lot of leftists with some hot takes. Um, Some of them include, probably should address the formula shortage before forcing people to have babies, but y'all don't care once they're born, right? Can you believe during a formula shortage we're having to argue with decrepit men whether or not we should be bringing more lives into this world? This country is trying to demand that women have babies while also having a effing formula shortage. It's comedy. Like, who the F is writing this S-H-I-T? There is literally a shortage of baby formula right now. One of the richest countries in the world, and parents have to effing DIY formula so that their children don't starve. But yeah, try and convince me that the SCOTUS decision actually has anything to do with saving the babies. You guys... (laughs) It's these crazy leftist economic and financial policies that have led to shortages and inflation and struggle to provide basic needs in society. But that's what we've seen throughout history. And now to see women be proud to advocate for not having kids because there is a shortage of a basic necessity like a food, a baby formula, that's why we also shouldn't procreate. It's literally what communist China had to end up doing via the one-child policy. So imagine a woman in America today. Yes, guess what? You have to carry your child to term and not kill it inside of you um, via your choice. You have to do that. Now compare that to the women of China that are strapped down to a table, dragged from their homes, strapped down to the table, and given an abortion. Their child killed unwantingly. They do not want that baby to be killed. They don't want the government to come into their body and kill their child or sterilize them and prevent them from ever procreating again. But that's what it means to have the government control a woman's body. Okay, so maybe learn a thing or two before you start talking like that. But again, our our public education system has just completely failed. So I digress. Okay, there I go again yelling at the microphone. Sorry, you guys. Um, Usually I feel like I'm not a political yell at the microphone person, but I I guess I am when it comes to killing babies. Um, All right, next question. What percentage of abortions are elective versus medical necessity and sources? So good question, actually. Um, So if you look up the Guttmacher Institute, it's a a pro-abortion group, and they even provide some interesting information on this uh, that says just 1% of women obtain an abortion because they became pregnant through rape and less than point. 5% do so because of incest, according to the Guttmacher Institute. Um, So yeah, when when you hear the left give you the the worst possible sob story of 
women who are being raped across the country who need to abort their child, just remember, they are talking about 1% of the people. The rest of the people are doing it because they see the baby as an inconvenience to their life. Apparently their life is just so good they can't possibly disrupt it, right? Um, I think it's just such a a selfish selfish decision. Um, Just 1%. It's kind of like the trans thing where it's like, so now we're allowing all of these massive changes to our society, to our structure, to how we have grammar and our language because less than 0.1% of the population is trans. Interesting. Um, Okay, next. Does this ban abortion, the removal of Roe v. Wade? That's the big money question, you guys. Um, No, it does not ban abortion. It would simply make it so that the states then have their own individual abortion laws. Because like I was mentioning earlier, there are federal laws and there are state laws. And our founders made it so that the federal government only can handle what is given to it, the power specifically stated in the U.S. Constitution. And with Roe v. Wade, they had found in federal jurisdiction, so under the 14th Amendment of our Bill of Rights in the Constitution, they tried to claim that the right to privacy under the Due Process Clause, under the 14th Amendment, in the Bill of Rights, in the federal government, that actually is the proof that there is a a right to abortion. So um, they gave it almost, they like wrote into the Constitution this this idea that it says that women should have the right to be aborted uh, or to get an abortion um, at a federal level. And so states couldn't make their own individual rules for this stuff. And they, they have been because th- there is some leeway that you can be more individualistic by state on what you do allow. But in general, you can't prevent a woman from getting an abortion, you can't ban it outright completely. So that's really been the battle. Um, So if this happens, you just cannot um, expect all states to support this. And apparently right now, about 26 states would transition into banning abortions in their state. And I really love that. But at the same time, you guys, that means that there are there's half of the country, half of the states, pretty much the blue states, they will take this and write their own, probably really radical, because times have changed and this Overton window has moved so far in favor of the left these days. They will write their own abortion legislation. And what's really scary is hearing um, just how far these people are willing to go. I mean, lately you you hear talk about a third trimester abortion. I mean, you guys, this stuff used to never even be imaginable. Remember the clip I showed you of Joe Biden saying that, oh, no, 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 this is a tragedy. This is not a right or a choice. This is a tragedy. Women never look forward to having to do something like this, and, and this is safe, legal, rare. But now, you guys, we're talking about third trimester abortions, women dilating and being able to abort their child. Abortion providers failing to actually abort the baby, the baby delivering, and then them just leaving it on the the table and letting it die because the mom technically wanted the baby aborted and it was accidentally born. But you guys, so they they let a a baby that was just out and about in this world die. And, And I mean, how can you even fathom something like that? I just don't know. So it makes me question truly the forces behind this absolute evil. Um, But that being said, you're going to have abortion in some states. 
So that kind of leads to the next question. Someone asked, what would the overturn of Roe v. Wade possibly look like in the U.S., possible long-term effects? Um, So you're going to have abortion in some states, and then you're going to have abortion banned in some states. That being said, there's literally nothing stopping you from driving a couple hundred miles into a state that allows you to get an abortion in America. Um, Not only that, you – so let's address this. There are leftists right now saying, we're going to have to use a coat hanger or, or you're controlling our bodies by banning this. And, and, and this is turning into hands ma- handmaid's tale and, and they've banned abortion, all this stuff. Abortion will still be legal, unfortunately, in the country. Um, not only that, but now you have a ton of nonprofits and private companies that are publicizing their plans to pay women to be able to travel up to even $4,000 in travel expenses to pay women to be able to travel to a state that is uh, that does legalize abortion so that you can get your baby aborted in that pro-abortion state. So, so there's not going to be this massive um, oppression of women or anything of the sort where women are like secretly getting into closets and using coat hangers. Instead, you have a ton of woke companies and nonprofits that are ready to hand out money so that women can just travel over to the next state and get that abortion. Isn't that great? Um, let's get into the specifics of that because I want you guys to know what companies we're dealing with here. Let's see. CNN article. CNN. Millions of women in more than 25 states face an abortion ban if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 decision that legalized the procedure nationwide. For many of those women, employers' benefits packages may be the only way they can soon afford a legal abortion. Amazon became the latest corporation to cover employees' travel costs to seek abortion care. Aw, man, I love Amazon Prime. Gosh darn it. Okay, the company told staff it would pay up to $4,000 in travel expenses each year for medical treatments, including abortions. The company's announcement echoes similar moves by Citigroup, Yelp, Uber, and Lyft to help employees bypass Republican-led efforts in several states to effectively ban abortion. And it comes just hours after bombshell political report um, indicated the Supreme Court is prepared to overturn Roe. If Roe is overturned, legislatures in 26 states have pending laws indicating that they intend to ban abortions, a research organization that supports abortion rights states. That could leave many women in need of abortion services, hundreds or thousands of miles away from access to the procedure. Now, you guys, this is where it gets interesting. This whole article is about how these these private companies are empowering women in the workforce. Listen to this. Companies are also struggling with, to attract and retain talent and worry about the impact these states' anti-abortion laws could have on their workers. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, because you need to go serve your corporate boss, not your family. You need to kill your own kids because you need to provide profit for that company that you're working at, okay? So thank the good Lord, a.k.a. your boss in your life, for providing you the money to go kill your child so that you can get back to work immediately, okay? We don't want to lose profits. Gosh darn it! Okay, so interesting. Amazon will cover $4,000 each year in travel expenses for staff members um, seeking abortions <laughs> if the care isn't within 100 miles of where they live. Citigroup became one of the largest U.S. companies to commit to covering employees' travel costs if they need to leave their state for an abortion, saying, quote, in response to changes in reproductive health care laws in certain states, beginning in 2022, we will provide travel benefits. 
Um, Bumble, the dating app company, said that they are creating a fund to support reproductive rights of women and people across the gender spectrum who seek abortions in Texas. You gotta love it. People across the gender spectrum who seek abortion. Gender is not a spectrum. Um, you know what I've, I've learned? So going back to like my school years, we were indoctrinated to believe that gender and sex are different things. And now that it's like so clear, they literally just decided to separate gender and create this whole other sub anti-science group where they could control all the language because they just literally made it up. Um, that's quite fascinating because I used to be like, okay, yeah, so, so your gender and your sex are different. And it was really confusing to have to accept at first, but it just seemed like, okay, everybody's saying this. Apparently the science came out and it's, it's different. Um, no, it's just been a scam from the start. But it's crazy when you teach kids and you teach young students like I was that these things are just normal, that this is the status quo, that the new science came out. It's a little scary how how much they can distort the basics. Um, yeah, so Bumble has their own fund now that will pay their employees to leave Texas to go get abortions. This one hurts because I love Levi. Is there a good gene company at all? Like, like Wrangler apparently is like, tied to communist China. It has bad sources for their products. Same with Levi. And now Levi's is, they say, quote, efforts to further restrict or criminalize that access would have far-reaching consequences for the American workforce, the company told CNN Business in a statement. Quote, given what's at stake, business leaders need to make their voices heard and act to protect the health and well-being of their employees. That means protecting reproductive rights. You guys, what is at stake here? The ability for them to make and sell genes and have that profit. Gosh darn it, these employees need to stop making families and get back in the factory. This is fascinating. I mean, where are the communists? Where are the communists? These evil corporation leaders are literally saying we need to kill the babies for productivity. So what is about, that's the question. What does a communist hate more? A capitalist corporation seeking the increase in profits via the oppression of their worker? Or do they just love killing babies so much because they're satanic that they, they are having a hard time with this one? I don't know, but these evil corporation leaders are saying we need to kill babies, empower women to drive across state lines, and we'll pay them to do it, to go kill their babies so that they can show up to work on Monday unaffected. Women's empowerment. Ugh, that really bothers me. Actually, I have a, if you go into my Instagram this podcast episode is probably very long at this point. Um, if you guys go to my Instagram page, I have a highlight called goodness. I always strive to cultivate goodness. That's my little mental theme. Um, and I, there's this quote that I put in it, and it said, it's by Zuby. And it says, modern feminism has programmed women to think that looking after a husband and children who adore them is backwards and oppressive, but working 50 hours a week for a soulless corporation whilst getting turned out by men who don't give a crap about them is empowering. Hot dang. Oh my goodness. And look at it now. We now have American corporations that need to empower women so that they can get back in the factory. Where are the communists? Uh, same thing with Lyft and Uber. Um, they're also doing something similar, and Lyft is donating a million dollars to Planned Parenthood to ensure that transportation's never a barrier to getting an abortion. Match Group, so Match.com, Tinder, OkCupid, Hinge, I'm shocked. The apps that are used to encourage hookup culture want to encourage abortions as well. Fascinating. Um, they have a fund now to ensure its employees and their dependents would be able to seek reproductive care outside of Texas. 
Um, Salesforce. Gosh, guys, I use all of these things, not the dating apps, but Salesforce. Salesforce is what I use for my my donor um, logs. And and basically, like for the nonprofit, we get a lot of small dollar donors and large donors donors and you can kind of track the progress and the status of everybody. And we use Salesforce. I might have to talk to the girls about this. Salesforce announced in September it would assist its employees if they want to leave Texas. Yelp, same thing. Yelp will help cover travel expenses. You guys, this is really sad. Um, This is not women's empowerment. So I could go on, but we'll stop. And not only that, these are the private companies that are doing things more so like donating to organizations that will help provide abortion or donating to travel funds or giving their employees travel benefits that will include travel for abortions. Um, But there are also an endless amount of nonprofits that are going to be set up or already exist that will specifically just give women the money that they need to travel across the state lines and get their abortions. So uh, this is not the handmaid's tale and whatever the left says about this is an outright lie because there are going to be plenty of pro-abortion states as sad as that is moving on um so what will happen in the states blue states will go hard on this okay you know how radical they are these days um and when we look at what the actual legislation is by them these days it's insane not not only do they support things like a third trimester abortion or i mean you have the abortion clinics that leave the baby um or have been caught leaving the baby out when it is already born and alive because the abortion was botched but you now have this concept i am shocked by this post birth abortion some talk by these lefties is even about post birth abortion and i i don't really understand are they trying to say that Do you see it? It's not computing in my head. So keep an eye out for this because they haven't been too ballsy about talking about it, but you hear it in political circles now from these crazy people. That being said, let's listen to what California legislation might look like if Roe v. Wade gets pushed down. Um, This is a bill proposed by a California politician, and the world, the, the country went crazy when this clip first came out. It really... I mean, let us spark. Look at Tran. Yes, sir. How late in a pregnancy would your bill apply if a physician was simply willing to certify that that the uh, continuation of the pregnancy would impair the mental health of, of the woman? How how late are we talking about? In well, the- so so the way the suggestion that we've um, made in the bill is to say it's in the third uh, trimester and at the you know, with the certification of the physician. So so how late in the third trimester would you be able to, to do that? You know, I'm, it's very unfortunate that our, the, our physicians, uh, our witnesses, were not able to attend today to speak specifically. No, no, I'm talking that. about your bill. How, yeah, how, late, I mean, how late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health. So, I mean... Through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor 
the physician and the woman. I understand that. that. I'm point. asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that. Yes. Wow. Um, there's a lot about that video that um, makes me sad inside. Um, but yeah, safe, legal, rare, guys. That's all they they wanted from the beginning. Um, next up, this will change massive foot voting. It's good, but will it also divide our country? Um, so you guys, I mean, this is truly what our founders intended. They believed in the states being um, not experiments, but but the laboratories, the laboratories of the states where policies can be tried because each state is different. I mean, if you go back to the Federalist Papers, like I have Freedom Papers podcast with Turning Point where each episode is going through one of the 85 Federalist Papers and then matching the federal or anti-Federalist Papers to it. And the Federalist Papers were written to encourage us to come together as a republic and to not separate into individual um, states where we were all these tiny little states kind of looking like Europe, similar to that, um, all the small countries there that are always fighting. And that was the justification for why we shouldn't do that, because look at how messy it is over there. They're always invading each other, always arguing, always acting like rivals. Um, basically, humans will will fight over some really frivolous things. Um, so how can we encourage us to work together for a greater good instead of having small animosities that lead to the suffering of the people with constant warring and and then when we have domestic um, fighting constantly, foreign powers use that to their advantage and come on in and say, hey, we'll help. Uh, we'll join your cause if you do X, Y, Z for us. So it's why the founders were like, we need to be a republic in the first place. But the idea that the, the states were where the power really was and then the federal government was supposed to just bring us all together to work in unison and create a stronger outward-facing um, structures that would be taken more seriously on the world stage. Um, and also it provided security for everybody because it provided a layer of checks and balances. And the, the anti-federalists were really worried about repeating a King George situation. And so they were worried about creating a tyrannical, oppressive government. And the federalists would come back at them and say, exactly, we don't want that either. And so we're advocating that if you live in a state-sized country and, and the state that you're in is your actual country and there's only that one level of government, perhaps local governments as well, it's going to be a lot easier for that state to oppress its small population and for monarchy or a dictatorship to rise up and oppress the people, especially when there's no one else to hold it accountable and you guys don't have many resources to fight back against an oppressive leader. So you're more likely to experience tyranny in a situation like that. And because of our republic, you would have a check on that state power, and then the state powers can check the federal government. And so it, it brought us all together in unison. But one of those acknowledgments when discussing the concerns was like, yeah, each state is really different. And these factions are really different because, I mean, even the geography of the state, the landscape, the crops that can be grown there, the careers that people have there, everything is different on a state-by-state -state basis. And it comes down to the most basic aspects of life. Like they eat different food and they have different ways of earning money and they sow different crops every season you're going to have different groups of people that see government in a different way. And the intention of the Republic, the federal government was to bring all these different people together instead of us always fighting each other. So when we look at this and say, Oh my gosh, me, a person like I, I have a house in Texas. It's like me, a, a person who loves to live in Texas and is proud to live in Texas. I view policy and the role of government in my life and 
individualism and self-reliance, independence away from the government so differently than somebody in California does? How are we even both Americans? And the founders intended for this to kind of be the case. So the more we see the differences between these states, the more easy it is for us to say, yeah, wow, this is because of policy. This is because of leadership decisions. This is because of mindsets of the citizenry. And in California, you guys, you ask what's going to happen, this massive foot boating. Yeah, it's no longer going to just be because of unaffordable living prices and massive homelessness and super high taxes and failing government programs and energy shortages, like uh, rolling energy power outages like they have in Venezuela or the high cost of living and the drugs and the crime. I mean, it looks like zombie land in San Francisco and there's poop on the streets and there's Chaz and there's chop and there's a terrible general business environment. There's public school control of the children. They're trying to get rid of any schooling alternatives. They're trying to force vaccine mandates. And, and now those states as decrepit as they have already become, they will now be also known as safe havens for child killing. And so that is a choice that we fortunately have in America of saying, I don't want to live in a society like this. I am going to leave and go somewhere where I can live out my values. If this state truly is that far gone, then I, I still can leave. And so, so that's what we're going to see is I, I do wonder specifically for this issue because everybody's different. Every voter, every individual American, we have our own core purpose and, and passions, especially in politics of like what issues we care about. So I am curious of like, will we see people that get up and leave their state and this is the final straw? Or has it been the accumulation of what leftist policies have done to states that will just continue to make it harder and harder for people to live there? I think that's what it is. And abortion is yet another addition, but a really fatal blow to this. So we will continue to see the country separate. And I've honestly heard the argument, this is kind of where I'm leading, that it would just be better. Okay, instead of all these purple states where where people are trying to live amongst each other and make it work out, perhaps Texas does need to get more red. Florida does need to get more red. We do need to live where we can live at our values. And those blue people can enjoy their decrepit cities, their decrepit states. Now the problem comes when they aren't able to put words and actions and policy together and the result of those things together in their minds and realize that the policies they're advocating for are leading to the downfall of their states. Um, So they don't really care about economics. They don't see the connection between their crazy high taxes, government programs, um, rent control, anything. They don't see the connection for that's why their cities and states are so bad right now because of their leftist and liberal policies. But I do wonder, and that is, you guys, that is why they're like, I should move to Texas. Like, it seems super fun there. And LA's super lame these days that's why because in their heads like they aren't thinking in the economics terms they aren't thinking like that and leftists don't really care about this stuff they're very cultural so i do wonder i think for them abortion would be what gets them to stay in their blue states um and i think you know what you enjoy your crazy places we'll enjoy our wholesome areas uh that's just my my opinion uh another question are they going to riot (laughs) um the question is never let's address this The question is never, are they going to riot? The question is, when will they riot? They always will do this now if they can find the political justification. They are chomping at the bit, especially around election season, 
to get fired up and to find some random purpose to go. And as disgusting as it is, they are chomping at the bit, constantly waiting to find out if another young black man got killed by a police officer, no matter what the backstory is. They love when that happens because it gives them the justification to go out and riot again. It's not about will they. It is about when will they. Um, so, so don't get caught up in that. I, Glenn Beck, hot take by him. He, he started his ep- episode the morning after the Supreme Court leak, and he was like, I have a feeling things are about to get mostly peaceful around here. <laughs> so absolutely expect that. But that is a bigger issue that we're facing, is that these people now act this way about their political issues. And that is what really needs to be addressed. Um, let's watch a clip of Libs of TikTok, uh, just a few of, of the great statements by people that usually probably put masks on and then um, hide in their black block as they um, attack their local communities in the name of social justice. They actually do this, yeah. Uh, that would be the time where rioting would be okay. I got the pitchforks, you get the gas and the torches. Uh, let's fucking do that shit, cause uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not forcing. No, no. There's only one solution to this, to all of this, because it's all interconnected. Starts with the. Ends with E, and it's not vote. Hey, TikTok. Do you ever wake up in the morning and think you just want to burn it all to the ground? And what I mean by burning it all to the ground is those old white men and the women who support them who want to tell me what to do with my body. If Roe versus Wade gets overturned, there will be mayhem in these streets. So, yeah, that was um, some random doughy Antifa boy that we need something for this. To fix this and it's not vote but it certainly starts with a v and ends with an e that's violence if you couldn't put that together um again you guys nothing creepier than a pro-choice male that wants to empower women by promoting hookup culture and abandoning all accountability um somebody asked can you highlight the difference between the jab and the abortion um why is there a double standard with the vax in this issue um yeah you guys you might be confused because the people that are always screaming my body, my choice, are also the ones who believed in forcing the abortion or forcing the vaccination onto us and and having people fired from the job that helps them put food on the table for their family unless they complied. These people, the left believes in force. And so first of all, don't try and find reasoning for it. They, They don't have reason. They don't have proper judgment and discernment when looking at these issues. They are emotionally driven. And the left believes in the end justifying the means. They believe in using force to attain their ideal utopian society of peace, progress, and justice. And unfortunately, their behavior and their tactics and the implementation of their terrible economic policies along the way all leads, instead of a a progressive utopia, it leads to a dystopia. It leads to a dictatorial regime where the people are massively oppressed, starving, and thrown in gulags if they dared to speak out about it. So if you're having a hard time understanding why they could say one thing on one issue and a completely other on another, stop trying to do that. Your head's just going to keep hurting. Understand that they have no proper discernment between the issues and there is a double standard because they just don't care okay they do want to force the vax on us and then they also want to have that empowerment of being able to abandon children and kill children in the womb so they just don't care that it it's ironic but yeah i mean so for the the my body my choice thing 
the choice in my body, my choice was to participate in the act of sex that yes, feels good. But most importantly, it's not made by God, our creator to be something that's, oh yeah, here you go. This is something that feels good. You should do it all the time. Instead, it's done to create a human life. And yes, it just also happens to feel good. And so if we saw it like that, perhaps we would be in less of a problem. When you talk about my body, my choice, the vaccine requirement has a lot more to do with a statement like my body, my choice than the abortion argument does because the body of the individual child inside of you is not your body. It happens to be in your body because women are blessed with this opportunity to carry children and bring them into the world. But other than that, it's not, it's not your body. Um, so actually it's, it's quite interesting when you like look into what their justification was in Roe in terms of um, the due process clause under the 14th Amendment, the right to privacy to make personal decisions. This is considering stuff like like who you can marry and who you can be intimate with and it, can you take certain medicines and stuff. And that, I would say, has a lot more to do, that justification has a lot more to do with a vaccine requirement for something that's experimental um, than it does with ending the life of another person that's just inside of you. So I wonder what that is. Again, I'm not like a a good legal scholar, so maybe I'll have some conversations with some friends that are more into that kind of stuff because I am curious using Rose justification to um, attack the vaccine requirement. So um, my friend Nick asked, why are people so resistant to taking power from the federal government and giving it to the states. It's so much easier to change things at the state level. Um, Great point, Nick. So this is where the left's beliefs work against their goals in a way. They believe in top-down approaches. They praised communist China. I mean, I think even the New York Times, Washington Post, they had pro-China articles praising communist China for their their sweeping, swift handling of COVID because, guys, there was no check on the system. I believe one of the mainstream media outlets did an entire article that praised China's top-down approach Yeah, you guys, it's called a communist regime where the people have no say. There's no check on the power. Um, There's no check on the system of government. And so, yeah, it can be top-down approach and it can be swift because it's just declared by whoever is in charge that this is now the way things will be. And then all the people are affected by that. Um, So it's all from concentrated power in the communist regime. And that's the whole point of that style of government. That's what they want here. One sweeping system where decisions can be made on the fly. And that's the exact opposite of what our founders wanted for us because they looked at human history and they said, oh, when there can be rapid change, when there is no check on power, things can get very dangerous very quickly. So we want, if there is any change that's going to occur, especially serious decisions like um, allowing abortion or not allowing it, we want slow change, if any, because it's the safest way to keep and maintain the republic. Um, So it's not surprising that the left is set out to end that because they believe in top-down. It almost works against them because I think they would actually have a lot more success if they just focused on the blue states where they could get these things passed and then they made their liberal leftist utopias um, out of these blue states. But I digress. Um, They just truly don't believe in the balance of power and the separation of power in checks and balances. That is the core purpose of our system of government. And it's probably also why they want to upend our system. Um, They aren't exactly thrilled with the Constitution. So I got this question from a man. Um, He says, how do you answer the women that say, because I cannot carry a baby, I don't get a say? Wonderful question. I 
personally believe that men have their own unique special roles in the maintenance of a society. And women especially have our own unique roles that we should not run from, but we should embrace. And one of those important roles for men is is to really lead. And I truly believe that when we are protecting the most innocent in society, men should never be silent. Men should be participating in this debate, in this fight, in this conversation. Um, and actually my friend Allie, Allie Rogers, she's really sweet. And she's very passionate about this stuff. And she posted something really great that says, Seven reasons men have a right to speak out about abortion. One, men bear an enormous part of the responsibility for creating abortion culture. How many abortions have been stopped when the father stepped in and took responsibility? The highest form of masculinity is commitment. I think that is so important. The highest form of masculinity is commitment. Many, many women abort their babies because the man does not want to be present in the child's life. And so it's very scary for a woman to have all of that put on her shoulders. And that's where a lot of these liberal women are coming from, where they are terrified of the future because guess what? They had sex and did the act of creating a human with someone that isn't exactly an ideal father. And so you guys, my, my ask is that if we considered this and we didn't have the option of aborting the child, would you really be hooking up with that person? If you knew the risk, would you really be potentially making that person a father in general or the father of your child or the mother of your child knowing that abortion wasn't an option? Don't you think it would give us a greater ability to decide who we allow to be in our lives in such an intimate way and to do that kind of stuff with? I think it would cause us to be a little bit smarter and more responsible with those choices, and I think that could have such a positive impact. But back to Allie's point. She said, two, we were all once in the womb. Three, every aborted child has a father. Four, if society generally is a public concern, and clearly it is, then men should have some say on whether such massive numbers of those coming into it should simply be allowed to participate, a.k.a. we should... We should be able to talk about if we kill our youngest, most innocent people in society. And, and everybody should be able to have a say in that. Five, taking a human life is always a public issue to some degree. Homicide, manslaughter, war, capital punishment. Six, part of masculinity is speaking for the vulnerable. Ah, Allie! Seven, possession of a uterus has zero to do with making moral judgments. Oh my goodness. Okay, Allie answered that very well. Wonderful job, Allie. Um, next, the left are slowly becoming children of Satan. Why does the left hate the right to life? You guys, let's go over the definition of, of sacred, just for funsies, and then I'll, I'll explain why. The definition of sacred, connected with God or the gods, or dedicated to a religious purpose or so deserving veneration. Religious rather than secular. Embodying the laws and doctrines of a religion. Okay, so you guys, what did Planned Parenthood say about abortion when this Roe v. Wade decision was announced, or at least the leak of it? They said, quote, Yes, our children in this realm are sacred. They are sacred because they are entities into which we pour our time and love because we want to, not because we are forced to. No one should be forced to stay pregnant if they don't want to. I am here because of abortion, 
Someone down the line of ancestors knew when it was and wasn't time for expanding their family. My own children are here because of abortion. What does that mean? Just as my children and yours are sacred, so is our decision to have an abortion. Abortion is sacred. The killing of your child is sacred, and the definition of sacred is connected with religion. That's a little sketchy, so I'm just going to leave that one there. Um, Next one, what's a better strategy for the pro-life movement, a constitutional amendment or for each state to decide? So that's the thing. You guys, let's get a little radical here. (laughs) Um, We talked a lot about, okay, so if Roe v. Wade removes the constitutional status of abortion rights, then that's going to be handed back down to the states, and it should be handled like any other piece of legislation that's not put under the jurisdiction of the federal government, right? But uh, you guys, I just simply cannot allow myself to be satisfied with this because, and maybe this is just my personal view, but what does the Declaration of Independence say? It says, in Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which repel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. We hold these truths to be self-evident, you guys, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, those are the three famous, infamous concepts, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Our rights come from God, and then government is supposed to protect those rights. Um, America's government usually does, compared to other other forms of government throughout history and even today. And I just can't seem to wrap my head around how conservatives are okay with saying the decision to end a life or not end a life should come down to the states as any other regular policy. This to me is about ending a life and our government, I mean our federal government, I thought was supposed to protect our right to life. And our Declaration of Independence says this is all about protecting our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I would personally like to see something at the national level. Um, And I, you know, maybe that's unrealistic. I don't really know, but I just do know that it just doesn't sit right in my stomach to be like, well, yeah, I mean, this is like a state policy decision. So that's at least where I stand on it. Next, how do you say so positive in this messed up world? My generation makes me sad. <laughs> um, I Let's do a book recommendation. Um, I recommend you read Righteous Indignation by Andrew Breitbart. Let me see. I have it. I have a quote from him. Let me read it. 
guys, this is one of my favorite books, um, but he is an inspiration. And this is just one of the quotes. It says, if the political left weren't so joyless, humorless, intrusive, taxing, overtaxing, anarchistic, controlling, rudderless, chaos-prone, pedantic, unrealistic, hypocritical, clueless, politically correct, angry, cruel, sanctimonious, retributive, redistributive, intolerant, and if the political left weren't hell-bent on expansion of said unpleasantness into all aspects of my family's life, the truth is, I would not be in your life. I mean, come on. Um, another quote. But it was worth it. It was fun. Being the media is fun. Telling the truth is fun. Having an effect on the election cycle is fun. Getting into world-class battles with brand-name media players is fun. When you have the truth on your side and the American people behind you, it is fun. In hindsight, I wouldn't change a thing. In two short years, we were not just building successful, impactful websites, but changing the way Americans read, consume, and create media. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> um, so he was like, he was constantly attacked by the radical left, and one of the first people to ever be so so hated by them, I would say. And his book is just fantastic, so I encourage you guys to read that. That's Righteous Indignation by Andrew Breitbart. Um, another quote that I really love is from from Peter strengthen yourself so that you will live your lives here on earth doing what God wants, not the evil things that people want you to do. Uh, next question. What do you think is the best way to get the younger generation to not blindly follow pro-choice? Um, you guys, like I said earlier, live action on their website, they have so much information. And they said, quote, when we surveyed people who'd seen our videos and read our articles, 37% said they changed their position on abortion specifically because of that content. Um, specifically, a really important video that they have is Baby Olivia, which um, explains the development of a baby at each stage. It shows in such detail, uh, even like the egg implanting in the uterus. And it's such a special video. You got to go watch it. Babyolivia.liveaction.org. Next one. How is it that women are now a gender again? Couldn't men be women just last week? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of going back to that question of like, how can they have the hypocrisy of my body, my choice, but also support vax mandates? Um, I want you guys to read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Um, he was somebody who really rallied up the radical left in uh, a handful of decades ago. And he wrote a book, Rules for Radicals, that gave rules for people that wanted to help push the socialist, communist, leftist agenda in America forward. And so want to know some interesting students of Alinsky? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama. Um, basically, these, these lessons, these rules, are to create, quote, community organizers. So wait, who? calls themselves a community organizer that we know of? Uh, AOC. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Yeah, that, that special little nugget right there calls herself a community organizer. So you guys, really interesting book, especially knowing that the people in the highest positions of power on the left consider themselves Alinskyites or students of Alinsky. Um, but one of the rules for them is, number seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. Don't become old news. So getting more into the specifics of these rules, he, he touches on it in a few of the, of the other rules, but this one as well. The idea that if you only have one political issue to rally your side on, they're going to get bored. Maybe for a couple years you can fundraise on it and you can rally them up and freak them out and get them passionate. But, you know, eventually people get a little tired. 
and they don't want to give as much money and they don't want to go out on the weekends for the next rally to do the same issue and if they don't feel like they're having much of an impact then they get a little tired with that too and they don't want to keep doing this so the rule is a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag that's why the left is easily able to in one week tell us the world is ending from climate change in 10 years to then telling us that we need to go save the the kids in cages at the border and then AOC literally flies down to the wall where she can pose for a fake picture with a chain fence and then the next week they're telling us that we need to be able to put tampons in boys bathrooms because trans issues and less than one percent of the population is trans so we can't oppress them we've got to put in all boys bathrooms tampons in case those boys are getting periods uh um and then the next week they could say something like we are entering handmaid's tale and women are under attack because we can't abort our babies that is how because the left has successfully created a political movement of useless useful idiots that are on a flip of a switch the drop of a dime able to be like oh i have a new issue i have a new current thing that i'm going to care about because that's what i was told to care about well how do you reconcile wanting limited government but then wanting to ban abortions um you guys this is quite simple to me government's role like we've discussed earlier is to protect our rights that we are put on this earth with some governments in the world do so america's does others do not and the people in those those countries are oppressed. These individual human lives deserve to be protected by the government because just as ending the life of a one-year-old, a five-year-old, an 18-year-old, an 80-year-old is illegal, this is also illegal, or it should be. You are ending human life, and the government stops individuals from harming each other with basic sets of laws that keep society safe for all. That's the whole point of, of, of laws. You can't oppress people. You are free, but it, your freedom ends at the moment you are oppressing and hurting and, and limiting the freedom of another person. And that is what is happening here, where a life is ending. And so the government does, should need to step in and say, sorry, we have basic expectations in society, and it's that you can't end another person's life. So... I, I see this as government fulfilling its basic purpose. It's not controlling a woman's body at all. And we talked about that earlier, so I won't get into that again. But it's completely different. I very much believe in limited government. I believe in a strong but small federal government especially. And I believe power should be in the hands of the states for the most part. But this is the federal government or the state governments stepping in to say, we do not allow the ending of the life of an individual human being. I don't want any babies to have to be killed. But I will say there is something to be said about how passionate the other side is about killing their own offspring, showing no interest in passing along their genes, their traditions, their customs by generation. That makes me quite sad for them. Why can't we be honest about conversations around sex? How did society end up not understanding that the deed comes with the responsibilities? Yeah, guys, we talked about this a little bit, but there is a really good statement that I saw from someone um, online. It said, one very important thing I'd teach my daughter is to only have sex when you're ready to be a mother and only with a man that you would like to be the baby's father. This used to be common knowledge. And and yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you guys, this is the thing. So maybe some people are are more conservative like I am and they're listening and they're like, Morgan, you need to be saying don't have sex until marriage. I hope you guys understand how like decrepit society is right now, especially among young people. 
hookup culture is this nasty phenomenon where people will literally hook up with the, with an individual that they barely know almost every weekend. It's strange. And instead of dating these days, girls feel this pressure to like, okay, well, maybe if I keep hooking up with him, then he'll want to get serious one day. And it's, it's very sad. And so to expect a society that's going through this right now to just all of a sudden be like, you know what, all of a sudden I'm remaining abstinent and to, and saving myself for marriage, that is a huge step to ask them to take. And so I do highly recommend that we, you know, work on talking with them about these issues and understand at least like, you know, don't, don't listen to my, my religious argument if you don't want to, don't do X, Y, Z, but please consider X, Y, Z. Do you really want to do the baby making process with someone that you wouldn't want to be the father or the mother of your child? That would be at least one rational question to be asking them. And then, yes, I think we need to move closer and closer into a more wholesome view of dating, of hookup culture, of marriage, all these things. But that's a topic for another day. Last one. Someone asked, have I ever been pregnant? No, I have not. So I want to end this, you guys, with a thread by Jesse Kelly. I feel like I'm ideologically his twin most of the time. Um, he had a thread, and it starts with, you're seriously surprised these people would break Scotus tradition and rules? Sooner or later, you'll accept you're dealing with demons. What will they do to keep power? Well, anything. That's your answer. And it's a picture of uh, a baby sacrifice. And he says, they've killed over 50 million innocent little babies. They're not worried about rules. Trust me on that. The communists are not trying to share a nation with you. They are trying to burn your nation to ash. Until you accept and understand that, you'll never be able to take these people on. Abortion is a wretched stain on this nation. We will never have any kind of moral high ground over a single other culture while we permit the killing of our innocent children. Those who want more of it are my enemy. That is all. Mm, Jesse Kelly. Spicy take. You guys, um, thanks for listening. Go to ZegersFreedomFlags.shop. Use code FREEDOM if you want a freedom flag or a sign from my workshop. Follow Young Americans Against Socialism on YouTube and Rumble so that you can see our episodes coming out soon with crazy survivors from communist countries. We talked about communist China these uh, recently, and we have, I think, three people on the show this season from communist China. One lived through the Cultural Revolution and was trained up with the Red Guards that we discussed, um, I think, in the last episode. Another had his family killed in the Cultural Revolution and escaped to America um, and stayed here after the Tiananmen Square massacre. And another was um, put into the re-education camps, unfortunately, where she was um, uh, tortured and forced to work in the factories that make American products. Um, so I'm really excited for you all to learn from these. You don't get this kind of information, these kind of stories in the public education indoctrination camps um, that are called public schools. Last thing, please subscribe to this podcast and give me five stars. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'll see you next time. Have a nice day.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.